Hello friends, welcome. Welcome to the third installment of our special series called Momentum. And in this series, we are examining the ordinary people who did extraordinary things to create forward motion, momentum in the struggle for freedom in the United States. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In episode two, I started sharing more information about FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, and he is going to come back again in future episodes. But I want to share a couple of other things about him that are interesting food for thought. There's been many years of speculation about whether or not organized crime was blackmailing J. Edgar Hoover, and that's one of those things that we might never know about him. But it has not stopped people from looking. There was one woman in particular, Millie McGee, who was very interested in J. Edgar Hoover. And the reason for that was she had been told as a young woman growing up in the 1950s, she grew up in rural Mississippi, she had been told stories of her ancestors. And those stories all included the fact that there was this very powerful man in her family named Edgar and it was her second cousin, and he was passing for white. And she said that her family told her he was so powerful, he could have us all killed. And Millie McGee was African-American. And she looked around, saw J. Edgar Hoover, and thought, I wonder if it's true. And so she began as an adult to do a significant amount of research on her own. She dug through court records, did oral interviews with people, hired licensed genealogists to substantiate the rumors that she heard as a child. 
And one of the things she said was because of J. Edgar Hoover's anti-Black history, I'm not proud of this lineage, but history must be based on truth. Other people, other novelists that knew the Hoover family in the 1930s said, it was always said in my family and around the city that Hoover came from a family that quote unquote, past. And past in this context means past for white. And I mentioned in a previous episode that he did not get a birth certificate until he was an adult. And there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not that is somehow related to his race. Because he's dead, it's one of the things we might never know. We might never know what his true race was or if he was being blackmailed by organized crime. Another thing that's widely speculated is that he was being blackmailed by organized crime members because he was gay. And that's another thing that we probably will never know. But one thing is true. J. Edgar Hoover did not like people that were different. That is very well documented. He was heavily involved in the Lavender Scare, which was an attempt to purge people from the federal government who might be gay. You did not even need evidence. You just needed an accusation. And then they could be hauled before Congress. And many of them were dismissed. So this is not the last you've heard of J. Edgar. I want to move on to another man and his family. His name was Oliver. He was born in 1918. He did not have a lot of education, but one teacher remembered him saying he was an average pupil and a good citizen. And he grew up to be a welder and was very active in his church and eventually became an assistant pastor at an African Methodist Episcopal church. He was well-liked. He was shy, he was hardworking, he was religious, and he was married to a woman named Leola, and they had three daughters. The oldest daughter was named Linda. Linda was adorable. She had a round, open face. She had adorable pigtails. She loved to play the piano. When she grew up, she became a very accomplished pianist. And Oliver and Leola and their three daughters lived in a neighborhood that was ethnically diverse. But because of school segregation laws, their children had to attend a school that was miles from where they lived. Oliver said that his daughter Linda many times had to wait through the cold, the rain, and the snow for a bus to take her to school. One thing that's interesting to note is that the city where they lived, which was Topeka, Kansas, did a survey, a survey of Black families. And they asked Black families, do you want to integrate schools? Do you want to send your children to integrated schools? Or do you prefer that the schools be segregated? And 65% of Black parents reportedly said they preferred all Black schools. And that could be for a number of reasons. It could be that they feared for their children's safety if they attended integrated schools. It could also be that they felt their children were better off being taught by people who understood what it was like to be Black in America in the 1950s. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. We've all had those embarrassing moments where maybe you've taken your shoes off and you realize like, oh no, oh no, that is not a good smell. Fortunately, Lumi Whole Body Deodorant is making it so none of us ever have to worry about that again. Unlike certain other products, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. It delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control everywhere one might like to use it. In fact, it was patients' concerns about odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. Fast forward six years and her game-changing whole body deodorant now has over 300,000 five-star reviews. And it works without using heavy perfumes that mask odor, which I really appreciate. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, which is my favorite, and two free products of your choice, like deodorant wipes or a mini body wash. It also has free shipping. And as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's like 40% off their starter pack. So use code SHARON at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Mother's Day is almost here. And I want to take just a quick second to appreciate not only my mom, all the moms out there, but anyone who has taken on the role of caregiver. You do everything for someone else. And now it's time to do something for yourself. And that includes starting with your skin. And I've been using our sponsor OneSkins products for a while now. And I have to tell you, I am really enjoying them. They are very easy to incorporate into my skincare routine. I am really liking the eye cream. And the secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It is the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And they have several studies to back it up. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code SHARON at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code SHARON. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support this show and tell them we sent you. We're going to come back to Oliver and Linda in a few minutes, but I want to tell you about a couple of other interesting people as well. The first one is a man named McKinley Burnett. McKinley Burnett worked for the Santa Fe Railroad and eventually the Veterans Administration. And in those two jobs, racism was highly evident and it prompted him to become a member of the Topeka NAACP. And you'll recall from a previous episode, we talked a little bit about what the NAACP was and why it was founded, and he wanted to join to help improve the working conditions of people. One of the ways that McKinley Burnett wanted to create better conditions 
in Topeka, Kansas, was he wanted to work to integrate schools. And so he was a highly respected minister and youth leader at his local church, and he used his position in his church to influence many people of all races to work to change the systems of racial inequality in Topeka. And one of the ways that he did this is for two years, he worked extra hours outside of his workday. So he would have vacation time saved up so that he could attend every single school board meeting for two years. That is dedication. That is momentum. That is an ordinary citizen doing something extraordinary. And it might seem like, yeah, attending school board meetings, like lots of people do that. But this is a man who attended every single school board meeting for two years and saved up his vacation to be able to make that happen. Eventually, McKinley Burnett became the president of the Topeka chapter of the NAACP. And one of his goals as the president beginning in the late 1940s was desegregation of the schools. In 1950, he told the Topeka school board, if you do not integrate, I am going to take you to court. His exact quote was, it may sound rather abrupt, but you've had two years now to prepare for this. And as soon as he sat down, one of the board members jumped up and roared, is this a request or an ultimatum? And McKinley Burnett said, the person yelled at him so loudly that it was frightening. But the fact that he had been yelled at and the fact that he had dedicated two years of his life to this cause did not deter him. In fact, he was suffering from leukemia, but despite his condition, he continued to work to plan and strategize ways in which he could spur the Topeka School Board into taking action. And one of the ways that he did that was he recruited a woman named Lucinda Todd. And Lucinda Todd became the secretary of the same NAACP chapter. She was a school teacher until she got married. And then after she married, she began working in civil rights advocacy. And Lucinda had a daughter named Nancy. And Nancy was forced to ride a bus to an all-black school while the all-white neighborhood school was located just a few blocks from her home. And in 1948, a newspaper called the Topeka Daily Capital published a column about militant groups attempting to do away with colored schools. And the article praised the bang-up job of education that existed in black schools. And Lucinda Todd's response to that was, if by wanting my child to have equal education, I'm being militant, then thank God I am militant. And so collectively, what people like McKinley, Oliver, and Lucinda decided to do was enroll their students in the white schools. And Linda remembers her dad holding her hand, marching her into the white school that was very near their home, where many of her friends from the neighborhood attended, and told her to sit in the chair in the front office way while he spoke with the principal. And she said she heard sort of raised voices in the principal's office. And when he came back and he took her hand and led her out of the office, she said she could feel the tension in his hand 
She could feel the anger in his hand, even though he said nothing. And so, Oliver Brown, Lucinda Todd, and McKinley Barnett, along with a number of other families whose names have in many ways been lost to history, decided to file a lawsuit. And let's take a moment and not lose those names to history. Let's acknowledge that Oliver Brown, Darlene Brown, Lena Carper, Sadie Emanuel, Marguerite Emerson, Sherla Fleming, Zelma Henderson, Shirley Hodison, Maude Lawton, Alma Lewis, Iona Richardson, Vivian Scales, and Lucinda Todd were all parties to a lawsuit that changed America. They were all ordinary Americans who decided enough is enough. And I am willing to do what it takes to make a change. If that means working extra hours so I can accumulate vacation to attend every single school board meeting, even though I have leukemia, that is what I'm going to do. And guess who represented them? That's right. You guessed correctly. Our friend Thurgood Marshall. And so initially, this case lost in the lower courts. The lower courts said that, listen, the schools are equal. The teachers have the same educational qualifications, and they teach the same things as the children in the white schools. The fact that some kids have to travel farther doesn't mean that the school is not equal. And so the NAACP decided to appeal that decision all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. And there was a man working at the United States Supreme Court. In fact, he had recently been appointed as the Chief Justice, and his name was Earl Warren. Earl Warren was very opposed to school segregation as a whole. He felt it was legally indefensible and morally wrong. And he set out to not just overturn the concept of separate but equal that was established by the Supreme Court in 1896. He didn't want to just overturn it. He wanted it to be a unanimous decision. He wanted every single person on that court to agree with him. Why? Because he felt that that was the message America needed to hear. That even one holdout would be enough for some people to say, I don't have to do that. Lots of good people don't agree with that. He made it his mission to try to get everyone on board. Here's something you might not know about the Supreme Court. J. Edgar Hoover was spying on them. J. Edgar Hoover spied on the Supreme Court for decades. And you might hear things in the news today about things like a Supreme Court leak, where a decision, a draft decision was leaked to the press before it was released by the Supreme Court. And that is a concerning thing, and it's something that the Supreme Court needs to investigate and figure out how they can keep that from happening in the future, because it's very disruptive. But it's also interesting to note that the Supreme Court justices themselves were subjected to decades of warrantless wiretaps in which J. Edgar Hoover listened in on their conversations, including the conversations of Earl Warren. There was one Supreme Court justice that J. Edgar Hoover in particular hated, Justice Frankfurter. And J. Edgar Hoover felt like Justice Frankfurter was one of the most dangerous men in America, to use his own words. You might think that Thurgood Marshall was riding high during this time period. He was racking up a lot of wins at the Supreme Court. He was seeing momentum on the 
issue of civil rights in the United States, but he was facing some personal difficulty. His wife, who had really seen him through college, who had helped propel him through the beginning of his career, was sick. Eventually, she learned she had lung cancer, but she continued to hide it from Thurgood until after these Topeka cases had been decided. She did not want him to be distracted from his important work. So she waited until the day after the Supreme Court made their decision on the cases of Oliver Brown et al. to tell him, I have lung cancer. And Thurgood Marshall's wife, Vivian, who went by the nickname Buster, was also one of those Americans who made freedom possible. She was a civil rights activist who worked alongside her husband, Thurgood Marshall, who encouraged him in his important work. She is one of the uncredited heroes of a case that we now know as Brown versus the Board of Education. Hi, friends. It's Sharon. If you enjoyed a recent episode with author and public theologian Issa McCauley, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you. No Small Endeavor. Produced by Great Feeling Studios and PRX, No Small Endeavor is an acclaimed podcast series that explores what it means to live a good life. Each episode, host and award-winning theologian Lee C. Camp brings you thoughtful conversations with artists, philosophers, politicians, and theologians like Hollywood legend Rob Reiner and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson about what it means to find true happiness and flourish in our everyday life. So don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And tell them I sent you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was one case that got the big name, Brown versus the Board of Education. And it was Oliver Brown and his daughter, Linda, who in many ways became the faces of this movement. But Oliver Brown's name was on the case because his name was first alphabetically. When I said the Latin phrase, et al, that is a legal phrase that you see used often. And it means as well, or and others. And so let's not forget all of the other people who worked to make this happen. We remember the name Brown, but perhaps we don't remember the wife of the man who made the case possible. Perhaps we don't remember the McKinley Burnett's. Perhaps we don't remember the Lucinda Todd's who said, if this makes me radical, 
then so be it. And so when the Supreme Court agreed here, Brown versus the Board of Education. It was actually a consolidation of multiple cases about the issue surrounding school segregation. The year was 1952, and Thurgood Marshall argued the case himself. And he used the 14th Amendment of the United States and argued that separate school systems for black and white children were inherently unequal and thus they violated the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. He used evidence like sociological tests that were performed by social scientists like Kenneth Clark to demonstrate that being separate had a tendency to make Black children feel inferior to white children, and thus such a system was unconstitutional. I mentioned that the Supreme Court Justice who was deeply committed to abolishing the doctrine of separate but equal was Earl Warren. But what I didn't mention is that Brown versus the Board of Education was actually heard twice. It was heard two times. The first time in 1952, when there was a different chief justice on the Supreme Court, Fred Vinson. And then he died and a new chief justice was appointed. Earl Warren. Earl Warren was the governor of California. And so the justices agreed to rehear the case because they wanted Earl Warren to be able to have the full impact of oral arguments that the Supreme Court hears. Now, quick little point of clarification, the Supreme Court does not have trials. They do not call witnesses. They do not present evidence one attorney for one side and one attorney for the other side. They each get a very set amount of time to talk, during which time the justices interrupt the attorney all the time, eating into their time. A little light goes on, they get to to start talking. The justices will say, excuse me, what about this? What about this? And they have to answer that question and still get all of their points in, in the time allotted. And so because the Supreme Court was unable to make a decision by the end of their term, they agreed to hear Brown versus the Board of Education again in December of 1953. Thurgood Marshall's opponent was an attorney who had made over a hundred appearances in front of the Supreme Court. And his arguments sounded tired. His arguments reflected the ripped and frayed institution of segregation in the United States. His arguments sounded like, shouldn't states be allowed to decide how they want to educate their own children? Separate is not necessarily unequal. Blacks should be happy for what they have. It's a lot more than what they used to get. People camped out outside the courthouse so that they could have a chance to get a seat to listen to the oral arguments. And a case that was many, many years in the making finally went behind the closed doors of the Supreme Court justices that were being spied on by J. Edgar Hoover. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Sharon Says So podcast. I am truly grateful for you. And I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave me a rating or a review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All of those things help podcasters out so much. 
This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.